Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity to teach today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody who's here today and everybody who's listening online. May this message go out to them, to their hearts, to their minds, to the ears. Heavenly Father, may you move me out of your way so that the message that you wish me to give comes from you and not from me. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, I wanted to tell you a little testimony as I get started. Some of you who come to New Life on Fridays know a little bit about me, but I, I wanted to kind of give you a short synopsis of my testimony. See, I grew up the youngest of a family of nine, and we were very poor. When we moved to Florida, when I was about five years old, our family sort of disintegrated. By the time I was seven or eight years old, I was living with my mom and two of my siblings in the worst possible dilapidated house you could imagine. We didn't have running water, and sewage would back up in all the sinks and the bathtubs. And to be honest with you, at seven or eight years old, I don't even remember knowing how to shower. My brothers and sister who were there were both actively using drugs and drinking every weekend. And so at seven or eight years old, I would go right along with them and do the same things. We had rats that would run through the house. And if you know anything about rats, they like to bite. <laughs> so I'd, I wouldn't want to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because they'd bite your feet. By the time I was 11, we moved out of that house and moved in with my stepdad and his three kids. And you would think this nice, clean house that we moved into would make things better, but the reality is, is that I got more abuse in the clean house than I ever did in the dirty house. My stepfather would take great joy in pointing out the things that I didn't know how to do and I should have known how to do by the time I was 11. By the time I was 13, I was actively using drugs and I was drinking every weekend and they couldn't handle me anymore. So they kicked me out of their house. I moved in with my dad, who had no idea what he was getting <laughs> at all. <laughs> and my dad, he, he handled things a little bit different. His, his view was just let him go and do his thing, and eventually he'll get it out of his system. Well, at 14 years old, he decided that my system didn't work anymore. <laughs> and so he kicked me out of his house. I moved in my sister for a little while, and... That was okay for a little while, but that didn't work either. So by the time I was 15, I was out on my own trying to survive as a drug addict, a drug dealer, and a raging alcoholic. I had baggage. When I say I had baggage, I had travel trunks of baggage. I had hatred for people who had hurt me. I had hatred for people who didn't do anything to stop the people who hurted me. I had baggage. So today I'm going to tell you a story about a man who had some baggage. His name was Jonah. Now you probably heard this story 
If you've been in church, you've probably heard it a hundred times, but I'm going to tell it to you from a different perspective. I'm not going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word because I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but I just ask for you to be reverent while I read. We're going to start out in Jonah 1, 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatea, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish for the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up when the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, I thought about just reading this passage and nothing else because there's so much in this. It's almost scary. You understand, from the very beginning, most pastors will tell you that Jonah was running from God. But I want you to, to look at this in a different perspective. Jonah knew God. He was chosen. In, in our standard, he, we would say he was a saved man. He heard God's voice. He knew what he was supposed to do, where he was supposed to go, and what he was supposed to do. He just thought, if I go over there, somebody else will do my job. So how many of you here have had God tell you, you need to go do that, but you thought to yourself, maybe, maybe somebody else will go do my job for me. Maybe, did you ever see somebody in, some, something in church that desperately needed to be done, but, but somebody else will do that for you. Somebody else will take care of that, God. How many of you have failed to answer the call that God has on your life because you figure somebody else is going to take care of it and they'd probably be better at it than you. But see, Jonah, Jonah gets on this boat and the storm comes up and it's shaking and rattling the boat so much that the people on the boat are scared to death. How many know, how many know that God will send a storm in your life when you go in the wrong direction with the wrong people? How many of you know that when you're going the wrong direction with the wrong people, God, God will say, uh-uh, uh-uh, you need to go back to Nineveh where I told you to go in the first place. Amen. Or even worse, or even worse, what about those people that are so comfortable in their own misery? They're so comfortable dealing drugs and doing drugs and being depressed and anxious all the time, making everybody around them miserable. Everybody around them's in the storm. Everybody else is dealing with the storm that you have created, but you're comfortable in it, so you go to sleep in the bottom of the ship. So how many of you are sleeping while God is shaking up your world? How many of you are sleeping while God is sending storms to everybody in your family? How many of you are sleeping while your granny is, is praying to God for you to come out of it? 
How many of you people are sleeping because your mama, your mama is praying that you're going to come to Jesus? How many of you, how many of you are sleeping in the bottom of the boat while your kids are out there somewhere and you don't care because you're busy being stoned on meth or heroin or something else because you just don't care anymore? Those storms in your life don't just affect you. They affect the people that are in the boat with you. See, God was trying to get his attention. He was trying to let everybody on that boat know that the only one that can stop the storms is God. See, there's another story in the Bible where we read where somebody's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And the Gospels, we hear in three different Gospels that Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat when the storm came and scared the disciples. He was sleeping and the disciples lost their faith. In both instances, this is all about God's power. See, God was trying to teach Jonah to turn around and go back to where he was supposed to be. He was trying to teach the people on the ship that the only one that can stop the storm is the only true God. In Jesus' case, God was trying to teach him that Jesus, God, was the only one that could calm the storms in their life. And I'm, I want to tell you that nothing's changed. Nothing's changed since the time of the, of the Gospels. God's still the only one who controls the storms. God's still the only one that can stop the storms or send the storms. And if he sends the storms in your life, there's a good reason for it. He's trying to get you to go back to Nineveh where he told you to go in the first place. He's trying to get you to talk to that person who you just didn't really want to talk to. You see, the, it's true that Jonah had some baggage. He didn't like the Ninevites. And see, the, Nineveh was the, the capital city of Assyria, and Syria had been torturing the Israelites for 200 years, they, they would go in and conquer a city and they would cut the heads off of all the males and then burn the women and children alive. They would find a town that they wanted to occupy and control and they would pick the elder of the town, they would hang him up by his feet and skin him alive to let the people in the town know, you'll do what we tell you to do. These were evil people. And I don't know what kind of baggage Jonah had. I don't know whether he saw his family be killed by, by Assyrians. I don't know whether he saw somebody he loved get skinned alive by Assyrians. I don't know whether he was maybe even taken captive and was a slave for a while by the Assyrians. We don't really know a whole lot about Jonah's history, but he clearly had some baggage. He had such, such intense baggage that he was willing to disobey the Lord. He was willing to walk away from the Lord so he didn't have to face that anger and hate inside of him. So he didn't have to face the people that hurt him. He was willing to run from God. How many of you are running from God because you don't want to face the hate? How many of you are running from God because you don't want to face the pain? 
How many of you have been through some stuff? Carrying some baggage. And the last thing you want to do is confront the people that hurt you. But God's always wants to send you to the one who hurts you the worst. I'm telling you, it's a fact. God will always send you to the one who hurts you the worst. And if you don't go, he'll put that person in your path. Every time you make a phone call to somebody, they'll talk about that person. If they're in a different state, you'll still hear about them all the time. Every single time you go to the store, they'll just happen to be there buying bread. You know why? It's because God knows that when you have a connection with somebody, even if it's a bad one, you can speak life into them. Even when it, even when it hurts you, that person might repent and come to God. But I want you to understand, when you forgive somebody, it has nothing to do with the person who hurts you. Absolutely nothing to do with that person. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness shakes those chains off you that you put on you when that issue happened. When you were abused, you decided to put chains on you that linked you to that person forever. If you don't, if you don't forgive them, you're constantly connected to the pain that that person gave you. You are intentionally giving that person control over your life. If you don't forgive them, you'll carry them chains everywhere you go. And that's why God will send you to the person who hurts you the worst. Not for them, for you. I'm going to move on to Jonah 3, 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. A three-day journey in an extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. I want you to know a little something extra-biblical. <laughs> Three years before Jonah walked into Nineveh, they had a plague and a solar eclipse. Now the plague attacked him, and then that same year, riots started in the town. Crazy riots that had to be put down by the king for three years, and then another solar eclipse. So when Jonah walked into town, the skies were dark. They had seen riots and plagues. And when he started preaching about God, they listened. I want you to understand, God, God could have sent anybody into Nineveh at that time. He literally could have sent anybody there and they would have repented. They were ready for that word. So why was it so important that God... Get Jonah to go above anybody else. 
so important that he tossed him into the belly of a fish for three days. Do you understand that when God sent the storm and Jonah didn't listen, when God rattled up all the people around him and Jonah didn't listen, God did the one thing that he does to each and every one of us. He sends us the closest to hell that we can get. Do you understand that God will push you to the point where you're in your own hell so that you'll turn to him? Jonah thought he was going someplace he'd never be able to see or hear God again. God put him in hell for three days so he'd understand there's no place that God isn't. There's only one place where God isn't, and that's where you tell him you don't want him to be. Do you understand that in the end, if you decide not to embrace God, he'll send you to a place where he's not. So see, God sent Jonah someplace for three days so he could experience hell on earth, so he didn't experience hell for eternity. How many of you have been through hell? How many of you crawled out of hell to embrace Jesus? How many of you are right now in the pit and you don't think you can get out? I tell you right now, if you pray to God and ask Him, He'll hear you in your pit and He'll have that fish cough you up on the beach. I tell you right now, if you pray to God, He'll take you out of hell. And you'll never have to worry about that place again. But I want you to understand something. We're going to go on to passage number four. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly that they repented. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I spent 15 years horribly depressed because of the life I had to live as a child. But I wasn't willing to accept God's grace. I would have rather died. I know there's people here or people listening that, that sometimes want to take their own lives. Sometimes they're so depressed and so sad they can't live with what happened to them. They can't deal with the baggage that they're carrying. They can't seem to figure out any way to get rid of that, that hate, that anger. So much so that they would rather die. He didn't have any reason to be angry with the Ninevites. He had to forgive them so that he wouldn't want to die. God was trying to fix it. 
the whole time God was trying to get him to let go of that anger, that hate, so that he could be whole and there wasn't a wall between him and God. And I know there's people that are suicidal out there because of what happened to you, but I'm telling you, forgiveness will break those chains. Letting that pain go and giving it to God will let that pain go. All of a sudden, the last thing you could imagine is living in a world God isn't.